0: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
2: Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash bpshow. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com/bP show. patreon.com/BP show.
1: Everything you need to fight the Trump administration, this is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
2: Special counsel Robert Mueller says the next person he wants to talk to is Donald Trump himself. Hey, Hey, they're closing in, folks. What do you say? Here we go on a Wednesday, Wednesday, January 24. Can you believe it? Man, first month of the year flying by with lots and lots going on. That's why we're here, to bring you up to date on all the news of the day, give you a chance to talk about it, learn about it, talk about it, and uh, take some action, hopefully, uh, to stop this uh, madness that we're uh, experiencing here in Washington, D.C. And that's what 2018 is all about, big midterms, chance for the Democrats to take back the House and the Senate which would be the greatest thing that could happen to this country this year. Hello, hello, hello. It is the uh, Bill Press Show. As we join you from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we're keeping an eye on what's going on down at the White House and uh, this end of Pennsylvania Avenue, kind of quiet just down the street from our studio at the United States Capitol, the Senate is more or less in session, not getting anything done, but hanging around The House is out for the week. I guess Paul Ryan was just too tired after the big shutdown fight last week. At any rate, what's happening here around the country, around the globe, with all the elites joining together in Davos? We'll tell you all about it and uh, with a great lineup of guests today and then take your comments and look forward to hearing from you On Twitter, as always, get ready to sound off at BP Show. At BP Show. And we'll jump right in with both feet. But first. This is the Full Court Press.
1: Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. You know, Tammy Duckworth, the senator from
2: Illinois, one of the great lady. Great lady.
1: She has been the first many things in Congress. She was the first female amputee elected to the U.S. Congress, the first Asian American to represent Illinois and Washington, the first member of Congress born in Thailand, and this week she will be another first. She will be the first U.S. Senator to give birth while in office. That's right. I don't
2: think she's giving birth this week. No, I I shouldn't say this week. Sorry. This
1: week she she, she, uh, announced another first. Uh, She announced this yesterday she is pregnant with her second child, she and her husband Brian. Uh, already have one child that was born before she was a senator, of course. So now she is pregnant with her second child. And again, like I said, this is the first senator to give birth while in office.
2: Good for her. And a great senator. and was uh, Very good yeah, senator. Yeah. And very, what a, what a life senator. story she's got, I'm telling you.
1: Uh, congratulations, by the way, also to LeBron James. Last night, he broke a very big record in the NBA. He became... A player to score 30,000 career points. Here's oh my God. LeBron talking about it after uh, their game against the Spurs last night.
0: I will never fully appreciate what I do anytime I accomplish something, no matter if it's a win or a loss. You know, um, I've always told you, Jason, told our guys back home that looking forward to the moment when I'm uh, basically can be done with the game and I can sit back with my family and my friends. We can sit back. Drink some wine, talk about all the accomplishments that I had and the feats that I've able to accomplish.
1: Thirty thousand career points—that is rare air for a basketball player. It should be pointed out, though, he is the youngest player to hit that. He did it faster than any other player in the history of the NBA, like by a lot too. Yeah. And a couple years ago, we did a story about how Google was going to be awarding a $30 million prize in their race to the moon, right? That was the Google Lunar X Prize. They were trying to sort of get ideas from uh, regular citizens on how we can get back to the moon. Well, they announced yesterday no one is going to win that prize. Really? No one has come forward with a good enough way to get to the moon. And so Google just said, yeah, we're we're just going to shut this
2: down. So that's, that's it. But I thought that uh, the, the Tesla guy, Elon Musk, and what is it? That's a separate issue. He's he's on his own way, but
1: Google was moon. trying to get to, to the moon. But the, Google was trying to get citizens to give their ideas of how we get there, and no one yet has come forward.
2: I, I don't know. That new missile, I saw that uh, Musk guy's ready. They ought to give him the prize.
1: <laughs> I think he has enough money. <laughs>
2: This is the Bill Press Show. Robert Mueller zeroing in on the Oval Office. Yes, he says, the next person on my list is Donald Trump himself. Hey, what do you say, folks? Here we are, the Bill Press Show on a Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, January 24, 2018. How about it? Great to see you today, and it's just good to have you with us. Get all together here as we do every day, every uh, morning for most of you to talk about the news of the day, what it all means, and where we go from here. That's The Bill Press Show. And you are very, very much a part of it, whether you're watching, watching, uh, joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, even if you're listening to our podcast later in the day. It's good to see you on Free Speech TV, and what great fun to be out in Chicago, Chicago in the greater Chicago area. Hello, WCPT, and hello, Indiana on Indiana Talks. Good to have you all with us, and remember, your job is not only to uh, sit back, enjoy the news, get your thought processes going, but uh, hit your uh, smartphone or whatever and send us your comments on Twitter. At BP show, so we know where you are coming from. Donald Trump tweeting already early this morning, and uh, and even late last night. He put me to bed and woke me up this morning. Oh my god! Great. It's a terrible way to go to it bed. Is. And it is a terrible way to wake up. No, both. I mean, it's like doesn't he ever sleep? Right? Just give me a break. Get off my back. Uh, <laughs> A great lineup of guests today. Adam Walner, our good friend from the National Journal, uh, will be here, as well as Jordan Fabian, who covers the White House for The Hill, a great newspaper, The Hill. Uh, President uh, Trump on his way to Davos today. And uh, Eugene Scott, a writer, political reporter for The Washington Post, will be in as well. So, we got lots to talk about and a great lineup to help us through it. And, yes, the big news is uh, there were several big revelations yesterday about the um, Russian investigation, the special counsel investigation, special counsel Robert Mueller, uh, which just shows that this thing is really, really now heating up and getting closer and closer, step by step, into the Oval Office. You know, the last time we talked, uh, the uh, special counsel had uh, subpoenaed Steve Bannon to come and testify, uh, the president's chief, for a while at least, about a, almost a year, the president's chief counsel, uh, chief strategist, chief advisor, uh, and uh, unlike when Steve Bannon testified before the House Intelligence Committee uh, with Robert Mueller, he will have to answer questions about everything, including his time during the Trump transition and his time during the Trump in the Trump White House. Uh, When he appeared in front of the House Intelligence Committee, the White House put a gag order on him and told him he couldn't talk about those two periods with Robert Mueller. uh, Anything goes. So that got us the first person in Donald Trump's inside circle, inner circle, uh, to testify in the Mueller investigation. The next one up, it appears on the inner circle, is uh, Cora Lewandowski, former campaign manager. And then we learned yesterday that last week, and boy, Mueller really, again, has a way. He is, it's incredible that in this town, he's the only man we know who can keep a secret. Remember, we didn't know about George Papadopoulos all that time, even though he appeared in court and pleaded guilty and has been cooperating with Mueller for months. Well, we didn't know either that last week, For several hours, Robert Mueller interviewed Attorney General Jeff Sessions. That's the first cabinet member now to uh, be investigated by Robert Mueller. We also learned uh, yesterday uh, that uh, Robert Mueller, again, how he kept this a secret. God knows in this town where there are no secrets, uh, that Robert Mueller uh, in December sat down with FBI Director James Comey uh, and talked to Comey about how he was fired, why he was fired, what Donald Trump said to him when he was fired. And Comey, uh, it's been reported, uh, went over with Mueller all the notes that he had made. These notes that he talked about from the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee, uh, all the notes that he had made uh, after his conversations with Donald Trump. Remember, he told senators he didn't trust Donald Trump. And so immediately when he got back to his office at the FBI, he made extensive notes about everything that they had talked about. So Robert Mueller investigated, I am mean, interviewing Sessions, interviewing Comey. And the third thing we learned yesterday is that Robert Mueller has now made an official request to the White House to interview the president himself, to interview Donald Trump. And they are now in negotiations or in discussions about. When that interview will take place and whether it will be in person, all of it, some of it will definitely be, whether all of it will be in person or whether it will be a combination of in-person and submitting uh, answers to written questions. Uh, That's all that's all kind of being worked out. And White House lawyers are probably going to put some parameters on it. Uh, You know, they probably say, "Okay, Robert Mueller, you can talk to him, but you can't ask about Stormy Daniels. That's off the. That's off the. uh, Or (laughs) you can't ask about golden showers, (laughs) right? That's yeah. They're they're gonna maybe maybe they'll have some (laughs) some little. (laughs) Remember that's how Bill Clinton got tripped up when they (laughs) suddenly asked him about uh, Monica Lewinsky. Uh, At any rate, that what what all of that means. This is huge news, folks. It means. uh, It means. The Mueller investigation is not winding down. It's not about to end. It's getting It means it's getting closer and closer to the man himself. And it means and this is really should really be trouble uh, worrisome for the White House. It means that what Robert Mueller is clearly looking at now more and more is obstruction of justice. That's what he's talking to Sessions about. That's what he's talking to Comey about. That's what he wants to talk to Trump about. So you've got the Russian meddling. I'm not saying they're finished with that, but that's one aspect of it. The so-called collusion, helping the Russians in their efforts to influence the outcome of the election. But the more, and that's if there is collusion. I remind you, collusion is not legally a crime. But that's one whole area that Mueller's been looking at. And the other is, since the firing of James Comey, was the president tried to obstruct justice by firing the guy who was leading an investigation into his administration? Uh, That is a crime. That's a much more serious charge. And that is clearly where Robert Mueller is focused today. uh, And that is trouble for the White House. Does the president see it as trouble? Nah, he says not. In fact, uh, yesterday, uh, just very, very briefly, reporters uh, in the Oval Office uh, asked him whether he had talked to Sessions since he's talked to Mueller. The answer was no. No, and are I didn't, you...
1: but I'm not at all concerned. Thank you all very much.
2: Yeah, yeah. He didn't talk to him, but that's okay because he says he's not concerned at all. <laughs> right. man. Which is the big front that he oughta, that he ought to put on. By the way, there is one other issue uh, related to the uh, investigation, uh, and that is reports that uh, the president is not very happy at all with Andrew McCabe, who is the deputy director of the FBI and was acting director for a while after um, Donald Trump fired James Comey and before he appointed Christopher Wray uh, as the new director. So we reported also uh, a couple of days ago uh, that Donald Trump is so unhappy with Andrew McCabe, now deputy, former acting, that he pressured Jeff Sessions to get Comey—I'm uh, sorry, to get—let's get this name straight. Trump pressures Sessions to put pressure on Christopher Ray to fire Andrew McCabe, and Christopher Ray reportedly— told Sessions, no, I'm not going to do that, he's a good guy, and if you continue to push me to do that, I am going to resign from the job that he had just been given a couple of weeks before. Donald Trump was asked about that yesterday. Did you pressure Christopher Wray? Uh, Did he, rather, did he threaten to resign?
0: No, he didn't at all. He did not. He did not even a little bit. Nope.
1: And he's going to do a good job. I, I want to know. Oh, yeah. Bit. Not even a little bit. What I, world does he live in where you offer to resign just a little bit?
2: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm going to quit just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means I'm only going to come in two days a week. Right. right. Yeah, something like right. that. Right. No, it's silly. But what we do know is, and this is front page Washington Post this morning, that when Donald Trump met, so he fires Comey. McCabe becomes the acting director. McCabe uh, has a wife. He's married, okay? His wife ran for office in Virginia as a Democrat. So McCabe comes into the Oval Office in his first meeting with Donald Trump. Donald Trump says, who did you vote for for president? Asks him, who did you vote for for president? Which is really over the line. I mean, we do have such a thing as a secret ballot in this country, and, uh, and the FBI guys, I mean, they, 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 they know their job. Uh, many of, They don't take sides. They do their job. Uh, McCabe told the president he did not vote in the election because he didn't think as the FBI, as an FBI person, he should take sides in the election, even though his wife happened to run for office uh, as a Democrat. And then the president went on, according to the Washington Post this morning, and berated McCabe for being married to somebody who was a Democrat. So it, it, it's, I, I think it's very clear. It's true. Trump pressured Sessions to get Christopher Ray to fire Andrew McCabe. And McCabe, I mean, he's still on the job. And Christopher Ray says, no, if you force me to do that, I'll resign myself. And what this is all about is, and it all adds up here, because the reason Donald Trump is trying any way he can, like this way, to undermine the FBI and to discredit the FBI is because he knows that Robert Mueller is closing in on him. So his only defense is to smear Mueller, to smear the FBI, to smear the investigation, which, of course, he has called a witch hunt from the very beginning. Like if, it, but I love it. It's tough
1: to it to see a scenario. I mean, it's not that tough, but it's tough to see a scenario where Donald Trump just completely shuts this investigation down. Right where he gets, he could of,
2: still fire. Robert, I mean, get, could. try to get somebody to fire Robert Mueller. He
1: could do that, but I think it's really interesting to see how they've been building this story of just, like, staying kind of out of it, and like he hasn't said explicitly, I will fire or I have the power to fire. Like He just got, sort of stayed out yeah. of it, and so they assume and figure it's going to be over here very quickly. But the GOP and Donald Trump have placed a lot of doubt around well, yeah. the Mueller yeah. investigation, yeah. Yeah. which is yeah. sort of all they can do right now.
2: That's what they're doing. But, you know, at the same time, this reminds me of some old, like, gun, gumshoe private detective movie where... You hear the footsteps, right? Kind of closing in, and you can watch it. And those footsteps are getting closer and closer uh, to the Oval Office. Uh, meanwhile, did you hear there was a uh, <clears throat> shutdown? Didn't last very long. Uh, Democrats caved in. I don't care what you say. They, and they got nothing for it. Uh, there was still some reverberations uh, yesterday. Now, apparently, there is up to a four-person team... Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate, to put together the bill that Mitch McConnell says he intends to allow, intends, intends, that's his intention, uh, which is short of a promise uh, to hold a vote on. Uh, those, uh, those, uh, those members are in the, in the House, Democrats, Steny Hoyer, Republican, Kevin McCarthy, in the Senate, uh, Senator John Cornyn, Republican, and Democrat, Dick Durbin. Uh And so uh, I think it was Nancy Cordes of CBS yesterday asked Mitch McConnell, um, so why should Dem- – you, you've made promises before about doing stuff. Pardon me, like to Susan Collins. You didn't schedule a vote on her bill. Why should Democrats believe that you will actually schedule a vote on immigration? I intend to keep my word. Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Okay. All right. It's all resolved then. I just Yeah, forget it. Like I intend to keep my word. Just listen to it. Yeah. I intend to keep my word. I'm
1: not I'm going Mm -hmm. to keep my word or I intend to have a vote. I intend to keep my word. Like he has total control over that. Total. Like you could say, I intend to have a vote, and then if things go off the rails, you could say that we just didn't have the vote. But I intend to keep my word. You're the only person that has control
2: over that. And by the way, I wanna point out again. It's no big deal for Mitch McConnell to schedule a vote. That's what the Senate is supposed to do. I intend to keep my word. Yeah, to debate and to vote on issues. That's what they do. And for somebody to block any vote, unless I personally say there will be a vote, I mean, he is abusing his power, and Democrats are letting him get away with it, by the way. But notice, again, he doesn't say, uh, we will protect the Dreamers. We will pass a Dreamers bill. We will do this before February 8th. I don't know. I intend to keep my word. Yeah, again, that and $2 won't get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Chuck Schumer points out that between now and February 6, February 8th, ain't a lot of time. The Republican majority now has 16 days to prevent the 800,000 young dreamers from being deported. Oh, oh yeah. They,
1: they've made it clear that that's their priority.
2: Yeah, that that's what right. the
1: GOP wants
2: to yes. do. And as far as the White House is concerned... Uh, it became very clear uh, whether there was any doubt uh, last night at eleven o eight p m. Donald Trump tweeted, "Quote, crying Chuck Schumer. Here we go again. <clears throat> yeah, this is nickname. Crying Chuck Schumer fully understands, especially after his humiliating defeat. Listen to this." That if there is no wall, there is no DACA. So Trump is making it very, very clear. All this nonsense about, I love the Dreamers, we'll protect the Dreamers, we're going to take care of the Dreamers. Donald Trump saying the Dreamers have nothing to worry about. No, the real Donald Trump comes out in that tweet. No wall, no Dreamers.
1: By the way, as you mentioned, he was tweeting that tweet that you just read. He sent after 11 p.m. <clears throat> last night. Right. <laughs> uh, it was around 11. 11:08. 11 11:08. 11, 11, 11, okay. 11:08. Yeah. Right. And then he had another tweet up this morning at like 6:45.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. 11:08 p.m.
1: Even if he goes to bed, even if the tweet is the last thing he does before he goes to bed, and then the and then he sends a tweet out like immediately after waking up. Like, that's just not enough sleep for him, man. <laughs>
2: It's his whole life.
1: It's his whole life. I mean, he wakes up and goes to bed with Twitter.
2: And on the wall, uh, many of us were pretty stunned when uh, Chuck Schumer came back from the White House last week uh, on Friday, having met with the president, and said, "Okay, you want your damn wall, I'll give you a damn wall. You know, we want the dreamers. So here's the deal. I'll give you the wall, you give me the dreamers. Donald Trump says, "Ah, sounds like maybe we could make that deal. And, of course, Stephen Miller and John Kelly uh, convinced the president he could not. And by the time Chuck Schumer got back to the Senate, Donald Trump had pulled the plug. Yesterday, Chuck Schumer said, "As far as the funding for the wall goes, well, that was last week. This is this week. You know, last week, yeah, I was willing to give it to you to make a deal, but you reneged on the deal, so that offer of funding for the wall doesn't stand anymore. Uh, and he uh, he rescinded that offer, which he should have done. Uh, frankly, I don't think you should have made the offer in the first place. And it turns out." That the offer was not. Remember, in this budget, Donald Trump had asked for 1.6 billion to build for this year to get started on the wall, uh, of a total cost of like 25 billion. Again, according to Chuck Schumer's office, the offer that Schumer made last Friday was to give him the whole 25 billion, all at once up front, which was crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Should not have gone there, but he did. And at least now he's uh, withdrawn that offer. So uh, a couple of other issues in the news. Yeah, the president today. We'll be talking to Jordan Fabian from the White House about this. Um, He uh, goes off in his own little corporate jet, which is called Air Force One, to join all the other corporate billionaires in Davos, Switzerland, uh, for the big billionaire uh, summit Uh, on Friday. uh, The president is supposed to give his big speech uh, America first, which will just further piss off all of our allies uh, in Europe, because he's basically going to go up there and say, you're on your own. We're going to do what's best for the United States. Screw all the rest of you. Uh, and in terms of any trade deals or even something uh, even something as uh, as long-lasting as NATO, as an important, Donald Trump says, yeah, we don't care about it. It's all America. America first!
1: I mean, I I've never been invited to Davos, Bill. You'll be shocked to hear.
2: But <laughs> I've actually never wanted to go. No, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't want to go. That's not my crowd. No, no, not
1: at all. But, like, the setting for this America First speech and the America First message, Could. from what I know about Davos, is not the right place to give that speech.
2: Could not be worse. Right? No. Could not be worse. Uh, and, uh, by the way, uh, big news yesterday. Uh, on the Oscar front, I haven't talked about this yet, but they were announced yesterday morning just right right around the end of the show. Uh, the big winner, uh, surprise winner maybe, Shape of Water. Peter, you've seen it. Got more nominations than any other movie. It's a terrific movie. It's yeah. a
1: fantastic movie. I, uh, it's probably my pick for best picture of the year. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that movie. And I love the director. I've loved him for a long time. He did a lot of weird movies. He did uh, Hellboy. Guillermo
2: del Toro. The one and
1: only. Yeah. Yeah. He did Hellboy, which is a great comic book movie. Yeah. he did Pacific Rim, which was a really fun movie, not like it's not going to be a Best Picture nominee, yeah. but it was a really fun movie, and and Pan's Labyrinth. He's done a lot of really good stuff.
2: So 13 for uh, Shape of Water, uh, eight nominations for Dunkirk, which I thought was an incredible movie. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, really like, great. I
1: had some problems with Dunkirk, but I think just the... the uh, Feat of pulling off what they did and how they did it.
2: And the photography was incredible, amazing. amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Ebbing Missouri. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I saw over the weekend. Also got uh, uh, seven nominations. So the top top pictures: Dunkirk mentioned, uh, Dunkirk, Get Out, which I haven't seen, Lady Bird, which I loved, uh, Phantom Thread, The Post. Terrible. Which movie. I thought was okay, terrible, but terrible. not. Yeah.
1: It's not a best picture. Should not be a best Should
2: picture. Should not. Nominated. Even though it's Steven Spielberg, right? Uh, the Shape of Water, we mentioned, and Three Billboards. Those are the nine pictures nominated for uh, for Best Picture. You pick a Shape of Water, huh?
1: That's my favorite uh, movie of the year, yes. How
2: about yeah. Get Out? I haven't seen I that I love Get Out.
1: I love Get Out. I'm yeah. not sure if I can say that. I mean it was in my probably top 5 favorite movies of the year and they did something really different with that movie just the way it was made it was just yeah. really refreshing to see somebody do something that that different but mm-hmm. I just think Shape of Water is just a, an absolute accomplishment of
2: of filmmaking like uh, everything about it is terrific Well I uh, you know that I'm a uh, um a strong and loyal and longtime uh, union member uh and it's 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 so there's so many benefits to being a member of a union, no matter what union it is. And uh, thanks again to all the many unions that support this program. But there's a particular benefit to being a member of SAG, That's AFTRA, right. because we get the movies That's on right. DVD, all of them. So I got all of them at home. I've I've seen some of them on the big screen. Uh saw three billboards on our TV this weekend. So I got the rest of them. going to have to binge and watch all the... Uh, all the leading movies. Get
1: out. on it, dog on it. Get it exactly. And by the way, in the past, there's been some controversy around mm-hmm. representation in Hollywood, which has been fair completely. And I think you uh, look at
2: this is a better,
1: sh- this is a much better showing. I mean, Get yeah. Out. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Greta Gerwig was was nominated for Best Director for Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's some better representation out there this year.
2: Uh, there is indeed. Uh, and just in case you were worried about the fact that uh, we've got the uh, number one sexual predator in the United States as president of the United States, uh, and now that um, there's the latest uh, revelations that uh, Donald Trump's attorney uh, reportedly, according to the Wall Street Journal, not to CNN, not to Think Progress, not to any lefty uh, publication, according to the Wall Street Journal, the president's attorney paid. Uh, Porn star Stormy Daniels, $130,000, not to talk about her affair with Donald Trump a few years ago. Um, Don't worry. Donald Trump is not in trouble uh, with the evangelicals. He's not in trouble with the religious leaders of this country. As Franklin Graham told Don Lemon last night on CNN, no, we treat Donald Trump differently because he's he's a good man. He's a changed person. And God him in the White House. The difference
1: is, is, is what uh, happened with Bill Clinton. He did this while he was in office, hmm. and and that's hmm. the difference. And what mm-hmm. Kennedy did, uh, the affairs he had was while he was in office. Hmm. Uh, the affairs that uh, Johnson had while while he was in office. Oh. Uh, th- oh. These alleged affairs, uh, they are alleged with uh, Trump. Didn't happen no, while they in This, this happened, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 years ago.
2: They're not alleged with Trump. And by the way, we should point out too. Uh, I, I love this relativism, right? This double standard that they've got. I mean, uh, the uh, but it's not just affairs with Donald Trump. There are 13 women who accused him of not just sexual harassment, sexual assault, and Donald Trump himself brags. About grabbing women by their private parts. And Franklin Graham says, God put him in the White it's House. It's
1: remarkable it just to watch these chuds have to go out and twist themselves into pretzels. Jerry Falwell Jr., all Franklin Graham,
2: all they're all phony baloney. And you know what? They really are. I said this on MSNBC the other day. These are not evangelicals. This is the Republican, I mean the religious wing, if you will so-called religious wing of the Republican National Committee. they probably get a paycheck from the RNC. Uh, if not, they should. At any rate, we'll move right along. Adam Wolner joins us next from a National Journal to talk about, well, who won the shutdown and where do we go from here? It's the Bill Press Show on a Wednesday, January 24. Good to have you with us. Quick break. We'll be right back.
1: This is The Bill Press Show.
2: On a Wednesday, January 24. Welcome back, everybody. The Bill Press Show. Here we are. We start off in Washington, D.C., but uh, we end up wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, online, on the radio, and on television. Good to join you to uh, tackle the news of the day. And we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, it's great Men and women of our firefighting departments all across this land of ours in your neighborhood, they're the people you count on. They never let you down on the front lines every day protecting American families under the leadership of the great Harold Schaetberger, President Harold Schaetberger. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program and for all the protection that they provide for us and our families uh, every day. Check out their website at IAFF.org and welcome to the program. A good friend, Adam Walner from the National Journal, his first appearance in the year 2018. Hello, Adam. All right.
0: Is it too late then to wish you a happy New Year? Happy when, New when, Year. When's, when's the cutoff for that?
2: Well, for me, it's the end of January. Okay, I think.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah. You go that long,
2: huh? Well, if it's the first time I've seen yeah. somebody in the New Year. That's
1: fair. I'll it's say, a little long for me, but yeah, a, if but it that's... feels fine. You're 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 okay. Yeah, feels
0: if, late, but I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> no, give it back.
2: Yeah, <laughs> as will I. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, and we've been at it for a while here, uh, starting off with uh, the big stories of the day. Uh, generating a few Twitter comments here, Peter? Yeah, not only Twitter comments, but comments from the chat
1: room. yes, we have the chat room at YouTube.com. I always forget to mention
2: that. Thank you.
1: YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where we put videos up every day, including our live show, which you can comment in real time. Dewey weighs in, says, Trump represents the political Christian. They use religion as a political weapon of hate. Uh, A lot of comments on that, uh, on the Franklin Graham comments, by the way.
2: That's disgusting. God put... Donald Trump in the White House.
1: Yeah, uh, William Ralston says Billy and Franklin Graham like father like son, and links to a YouTube video of Billy
2: Graham with oh, Richard Nixon. He was him. in Richard Nixon's pocket. Oh, absolutely, oh, man. all the way. Yeah, ab-
1: ab- absolutely. Uh, KG says Mueller is looking at money laundering and obstruction in the White House, and also money
2: laundering with uh, Manafort. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, also
1: maybe with Donald Trump. Uh, and maybe Ivanka. <laughs> and maybe Ivanka as well. Uh, and also says, uh, somebody tell John Kelly to set the phasers to stun and drop <laughs> when it comes to Donald Trump and his use of Twitter. If you have any comments, like I said, you can find us in the chat room, uh, youtube.com slash Show, or also on Twitter
0: at bpshow.
2: Okay. All right, Adam. So the most important question of the day: Do you have your mm-hmm. pick for top movie of the year? Or? Well,
0: yeah. I was I was just listening to you guys uh, talk about that while I was outside the studio, and, and 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 I was saying that I actually feel that I'm a little bit further ahead than I usually am at this point in seeing the the movies that have been nominated for the Oscars. I think. Have I've you seen, seen Shape of Water? I've not seen Shape of Water, but oh. I think I've I've seen five of the nine that were nominated That's for cool. for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Lady Bird. Really liked Get Out. So I think the, of the ones that have been nominated, those would be my, my top two. I also want to give a shout-out to what I thought was the biggest snub, which was Florida Project. Did either of you guys see, see Florida Project? Oh, man. Project?
1: Oh, my God. That movie – Willem Dafoe got nominated for Best Supporting yeah. Actor, which he 100% Florida Project. I he know. deserves to win. Yeah, he deserves it, to win. it came, maybe
0: Maybe it came out a little too early in the season. I want to say that oh, came out yeah. – what was that? Maybe like late summer, early fall. Yeah. But I thought that was excellent. That was one of my favorite movies of 2017, and I, I really thought that deserved a, a Best Picture nominee. So – the, I the was, movie I was, was very, very good. Willem Dafoe, I couldn't take my eyes off him. That hmm. was
2: amazing, hmm. the movie. Yeah, don't know it at all. So all right, the, the, that I'll was that was the,
0: the only snub I was really that upset with. Otherwise, um, I was happy with most of the ones that were nominated for Best Picture and uh, got a couple more to see here before. When are the Oscars in, in March? So got some got some time here. You have some time.
2: Yeah, yeah as long as you can still find them out there. But yeah, once exactly. they're nominated, they tend to come back. They keep
1: them out there. And right. a lot of places will do, like, A best picture showcase where they'll show a bunch of the best Mm -hmm. pictures leading up to it. So that's a good way to catch up.
2: Right. Um, We learned yesterday that, uh, and I still give him credit, the only man in this town who can keep a secret. And Washington's a a city where there are, like, no secrets. (laughs) Robert Mueller, you Mm -hmm. know, we never heard about George Papadopoulos until he he pleaded – no, until way after he pleaded guilty, actually, in the courtroom – and yesterday we learned that last week he sat down with Jeff Sessions for several hours to interview Jeff Sessions. So what does that—that really tells us that Robert Mueller is uh, still in high gear, still mm-hmm. going
0: strong, and getting closer and closer to the Oval. Yeah, yeah, things things are clearly uh, progressing here at a pretty rapid pace. And like you said, it is amazing the, the lack of sort of leaks that are coming out from that whole probe. You know, we're not really learning about things that had happened until— well, after the fact, unlike the White House, where right. people are leaking every day and it's a little different, to, you know, and, you know, you compare this to maybe some of the uh, investigations that are happening on the Hill where you literally have reporters staking out the House and Senate intelligence committees, you know, all day, every day. And you can kind of see who, who's coming in and out and get a sense this way, where with the Mueller investigation, you don't really know. Who's meeting with who? Where they're meeting? When they're meeting? I don't so, even know where they're looking. Yeah, exactly. in, in, in the Justice Department, I guess. Maybe, yeah, I, but. I don't know where they're setting up these meetings, but they've yeah they've done a, a good job of keeping that all under wraps. And in the Washington Post reported this week that Mueller is now you know he, he wants to set up a time to, to chat with President Trump himself sometime here in the next few weeks. So clearly he's he's uh, checking off all the the key figures here in, in this. And program.
2: also clearly, when you look at Sessions, um, Comey. He also mm-hmm. met with Comey in December, which we learned yesterday, and again, that secret has, was kept for almost a month, uh, and now requesting a meeting with Donald Trump. It's pretty clear that he's, his focus now is principally on obstruction of justice, which mm-hmm. is certainly the, more, the most serious charge they could get against the president.
0: Right. Yeah. It seems to be right moving a little bit more in that direction. Maybe not so much with with the the collusion, which is right, kind of where, where things right. all started. Yeah, and yeah. that's what and you know a lot of Republicans you know defending the president. That's what they like like to point to is that well you know there, there still is no evidence of, of collusion and you know th- there still is nothing that has come out suggesting that you know President Trump directly colluded with, with the Russians. But but that, that may not even be the salient point here. In, in, in a couple months or you know whenever we kind of get the investigation, you know obstruction of justice may be the 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 top thing that that Mueller and, and these investigators are focusing on and
2: how ironic that the focus of the investigation was collusion which Donald Trump didn't like until it shifted to obstruction of justice because he fired James Comey exactly so he's the one who triggered the investigation to move from collusion to obstruction with that firing.
0: Right, uh, yeah. And
2: yeah. now it really hasn't meant to Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of unforced errors early on in the White House um, that are kind of leading to, to, to where we are now. Right. Uh, so
2: let's talk shutdown a little bit. Um, who won, who lost?
0: Well, you know, I, I think it, it's a little difficult okay. to say at the this point. The right? Dreamers lost. Let's all yes, agree sure, on that. sure. Yeah.
2: Dreamers are screwed Yeah, if we're, if we're again. talking purely from yeah, from a political, political
0: perspective here, right. it's it's tough tough to say that the Democrats won, right? I I think you'd have to say that they were were the the losers relatively speaking in all of this. But we we have to we still have to wait and see what happens with with immigration. You know, if if this kind of bipartisan group of senators that won kind of helped negotiate the end of the shutdown and are now working to come towards some sort of immigration deal before February 8th, which is the next time that government funding will run out. Then, then I think, you know, Democrats can say that, hey, look, you know, maybe in, in the short term we, we had to take a loss. But in the long run, we were able to come up with some sort of compromise on immigration that was able to protect dreamers. But, of course, that, that, that's easier said than done. There's still a long way to go, both in the Senate, to get 60 votes on something, Democrats, of course, want to provide protections for DREAMers. Republicans are still trying to figure out exactly what they want in terms of border security. President Trump is still demanding a a physical border wall. But Republicans, you know, you talk to them on the Hill and they say, well, I don't know if it'll be an actual wall, quote unquote. But they're, they're trying to figure out exactly what is going to be acceptable from a border security standpoint, both from from Democrats, who of course are opposed to a wall, and Trump and his supporters, who they were campaigning on, on a wall from from day one. So a long way to go there. And even if they are able to get something out of the Senate, getting that through the House, getting it signed by the White House, that's a that's a whole other ball game as well. Right. So
2: my cynic- cynicism tells me. Uh, so this is um, January twenty-four. Uh, Chuck Schumer pointed out yesterday, we don't have a lot of. Not a lot of time left between Mm -hmm. now and February 8. Here he is. The Republican majority now has 16 days to prevent the (laughs) 800,000 young dreamers from being deported. So, uh, again, the cynic in me says that come February 7, we're going to be exactly where we are today.
0: It it seems like... (laughs) No
2: bill, no funding, no agreement on anything... And uh, min- at midnight on February the 7th or February the 8th, I guess, they'll find a way to keep the government going for mm-hmm. another, maybe until March 5th when the actual deadline for the Dreamers hits.
0: Right. I mean, you know, this why is. Sh-
2: why, why should I think anything's going to improve in the next 16 days? Yeah,
0: this is the way Congress is governing now, right? By, by deadline. You know, they just kind of move deadline to deadline and don't really feel. Fifth, worth,
2: this is a fifth you know, CR that they've done rather than a budget.
0: Exactly. And, and, and that's you know, that's the other part of this too is it's not even necessarily you know when we get bump up against this next deadline you know it, you know whether or not they're able to come to another immigration agreement or not and they decide well let's do another CR for a couple of weeks I mean there are a lot of members both in the House and the Senate and both parties who are getting just really fed up with with con- continuing to govern by CRS you know you saw Uh, You know, defense hawks, for instance, they, you know, say that this really hurts the military. They, you know, we need a long term budget solution so that the Pentagon knows what they're working with here. Are they finally going to put their foot down? They've come close now on the last two deadlines. Will they do so, you know, on February 8th? And and even in the Senate, you're seeing members of both parties who, who were voting against the, the, the CR solely because it was another CR. It wasn't a long-term budget solution. Um, John Tester was a good example of that, Democrat from from Montana, mm-hmm. the only mm-hmm. Trump state Democrat, actually, up in 2018 to, to vote against that that CR. So, it, you know, it, it, you're going to introduce just a, a whole whole host of other issues when you're bumping up against this February 8th deadline, aside from from, from the big one, which is immigration. Uh,
2: again, it's 16 days. So, uh, Mitch McConnell says uh, he intends, his intention is, uh, to uh, allow a vote debate on immigration. But we do not know, we have no idea what that bill would look like, right? So right. you've got Steny Hoyer and Kevin McCarthy, John Cornyn and Dick Durbin. They're the ones who have been tasked with putting together a bill that... that uh, Now, it, assume that, that the Senate will vote on, and then the House. Assuming that those four can agree on anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's still doesn't mean either the Senate will approve of Republicans, enough Republicans in the Senate or Democrats or in the House, or that the president will sign it, right? We have no idea what that legislation would look like. Ostensibly, it would include something to do with the Dreamers, but you know it's not going to be a clean Dreamers bill.
0: No, no, it almost certainly will not be, and and that's why you know progressives were so upset with with Chuck Schumer's strategy here during the shutdown, <laughs> when really all he was able to extract out of the out of the Republicans was just again sort of this vague general pledge that yeah we're going to debate something on immigration, what that looks like, we're going to figure it out here. In the next few weeks and and, uh, listening to talking to some Republican senators yesterday on the Hill, you know, that, you know, they they want to basically keep this as narrow as possible. They don't they don't want to introduce all of these various, um, you know, immigration issues here that could really bog it down and complicate things. And and again, it's just going to be finding that balance between, okay, we're going to do something to protect dreamers and then something on border security. Where where is is that middle ground that's going to be acceptable to both sides? They haven't been able to figure it out yet. Uh, you know whether or not they can do so by February eighth, I think is it's going to be a really tough uphill slog. Right
2: now, meanwhile, in a um, in an effort to achieve a bipartisanship and compromise in the spirit of bipartisanship, uh, Donald Trump t- tweeted last night at eleven oh eight p.m. Crying, Chuck Schumer fully understands, especially after his humiliating defeat, that if there is no wall, there is no. Daca, <laughs> that goes a lot toward bringing the two sides yeah, together. Exactly, I think. Yeah, that's it.
0: A- right. Well, yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting relationship between those two. You know, they, they, he seems to like to meet with him <laughs> and pretty frequently. You know, he, he even invited yeah, him yeah. in for a meeting before the shutdown without McConnell and, and Ryan. But then, uh, yeah. on, on Twitter, right. just it, one it's on a, one. Yeah. Then on Twitter, it's been a, a much much different story. So and yeah, as long as Trump keeps sending out these but, tweets about that, we have to have a wall. That only makes Republican's job on the hill that much. And harder. as you
2: indicated a little earlier, there you wouldn't think, but there is. I guess maybe as w- with everything with Donald Trump, there's a definitional problem with the wall. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, he clearly, it seems, uh, envisions a concrete wall uh, along the entire southern border. So deep you can't get under it, so high you can't get right. over it, right? So wide you can't get around it. Um, but even John Kelly, chief of staff, says there's not going to be any concrete wall. Boom, boom, boom. And a lot some Republicans, when they talk about it, they're talking about virtual a virtual wall. Mm-hmm. They're talking about maybe electronic security, more right. drones. You know, so a wall is a wall is a wall, not necessarily, I guess. But w- I I think Donald Trump he wants a wall. Right. You know that he could have his name
0: on, right? Yeah, exactly. And even even Putting aside the politics, even just from so, like a physical perspective, that's like almost impossible to, to build give, something like well, that. Well, given
2: the topography,
0: yes, exactly. But then, but then, I'm, then you add uh-huh. you know the politics to this as well, and it, you know it, it just you know maybe there will be it will be a combination of, of a couple different things, some of which you mentioned, whether it's you know the, the drones, different electronic security, maybe some fencing along certain yeah. areas of the border. Yeah. Who knows? Right. So again, it's going to have it's going to on border security, especially. It's just going to be finding that. Finding something that pleases everyone. Trump, is it something that he's going to be able to sell to his base is, here, this is the wall that I promised. For Democrats, it's, well, it's, it's not exactly what Trump campaigned on. It's not this, this big wall where nobody can get in or out. But it, it was something we basically had to give up in order to protect, you know, 800,000 dreamers. So, and, and, and there are a lot of Republicans, too, who are, who are opposed to the idea of a wall. So exactly what that definition of, of the border wall slash border security looks like, that, that, that's still something that they, they need to work out. Uh, yeah and i don't i don't believe that
2: i don't think there's any doubt that if march 5 comes along and uh donald trump doesn't have his wall that uh he'll end the dreamers program i i, I mean I, if you are a dreamer today uh you are rightfully concerned you're in i saw video, some video last night of young people in in school getting you know, working on their degrees they don't know whether they're going to be here
0: six months from now Right. In this country, and this is the only country they've ever lived in. Right. Yeah, I think that that is certainly reasonable to expect from Trump. But there are a lot of Republicans on the Hill that would also like to see, you know, these uh, protections extended for dreamers. So, you know, I think, you know, the Republicans on the Hill aren't necessarily negotiating from the same spot as Trump where, where they're saying. You know, We we want to be somewhere in the middle. We do want to see you know, DACA extended. We do want to see border security. We want a little bit of both. So I think it's also in the political interest of a lot of Republicans to try and, and push for some solution for DREAMers and not just to say, well, it's March 5th, deadline's up, I guess there's nothing we can do about it now. I, that that would be a, a big political problem for, for the Republicans. Right. So in the next couple
2: of weeks, what are we likely to see? Um, uh, this group of four come together. There's also the Lindsey Graham Dick Durbin coalition. Mm-hmm. They were that was a group of six, right? Right. That went so well last week. So I, well well I think I think I think
0: it's yeah. kind of like uh-huh. grown to like twelve now. They you know it's, it's been kind of a, <laughs> a shape shifting group. Well, the big thing that they're gonna have to do starting next week is get on the same page with the House because the House has now been out all of this week. Um, they they were in briefly on Monday to, to reopen the government, but they were scheduled to have a recess this week, and and that you know that's the other big thing too. It's you know, it's not only getting all, all the senators on one page; it's also saying okay. Even if you are able to come up with something that passes the Senate, how can we get it through the House? You know, Speaker Ryan isn't going to bring anything up that doesn't get the, the majority of of Republicans in the House. So, you know, it would be something that can pass with bipartisan support. But and a lot of House Democrats, you know, felt like they were sort of spurned with this whole with these shutdown negotiations and didn't like the direction that Senate Democrats took. And that's why a majority of House Democrats actually voted against that that bill t- to reopen the government Earlier this week, so that, that's going to be the other the other big thing too is not only all of these senators getting on the same page, but starting next week getting on the same page with with the House.
2: Right. Uh, and meanwhile, um, th- th- at some point, they're going to run up against the reality of the midterms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's coming up, you know, a lot more quickly no, than people yeah. think. You know, you know, people think you know November is, is far <laughs> off, but we've we've got primaries already starting in in March in in Texas, and uh, there's a big. Uh, special House election in in Pennsylvania that that both parties are, are eyeing. So, yeah, That's, the the realities of of sort of a, a midterm election, you are really going to start to set in. Here it's quickly. so funny
1: because I used to get annoyed by how quickly these things moved, and now I'm just like, I'll take the distraction. <laughs> I'll, I'll take yeah. the distraction of the midterms or the primaries or all this political stuff. Like, let's start talking about 2020. What the hell? Yeah. Like, at least we don't have to talk about what's happening in the White House <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's again, at some point, whether it's March or April or May or with the most primaries being in June, um, they're going to have to go with what they've got. Meaning Mm -hmm. if they haven't solved the dreamers by then or they they haven't had a long term budget bill passed by then or whatever, uh, what is is what they're going to have to go in front of their electorate with that success or lack of success. Right.
0: Right. And, yeah. And, and that could really uh, overshadow, you know, because they, you know, they thought they got a big win on, on tax reform, and a lot of Republicans were hoping to campaign right. on that. Right. Now, exactly. Now this, you know, it's going to be yeah. overshadowed. People by, may by to totally
2: forget on. about that. Uh, you were back in um, home state of Wisconsin over the holidays. That's right. Where Wisconsin uh, had a little su- uh, electoral surprise. Um, I think it was early this year, already this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With, just, yeah. Just a week the, or two ago in yeah. the tenth yeah. senatorial mm-hmm. state senate district there. Uh, a Democrat won in a district that Donald Trump had carried by 15 points yes. last year. What's going on in Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see. You know, out in western Wisconsin, which which, which really swung to, to Trump in 2016. That's usually an area that Democrats have, depending on the candidate, have done done pretty well out there. But still, a pretty solid a Republican area, rural area that that went pretty heavily. For Trump and clearly, you know this is sort of just another example. We've sort of seen this all over the country over the past year, both in in some of the, the House special elections uh, throughout 2017, and just various um, um, districts where, you know, you're seeing these big swings from from the Republicans to, to the Democrats, and you know, I think people are reading into it rightfully as backlash against. Uh, President Trump, and it was enough to worry uh, Wisconsin's Governor Scott Walker, who is uh, facing right. re-election once again in 2018. You know, he, he tweeted the night the results came and said, "You know, this is a big wake-up call for for Republicans. Uh, you know, clearly we need to we have a lot of work ahead of us to win to win back some of these these voters." And the um you know the enthusiasm is clearly on the Democratic side. And and there are a couple of big races in in Wisconsin coming up this fall, both Walker's re-election and uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin's re-election. So Senator Baldwin has to f- be feeling pretty good. About those results, and uh, you know the Democrats, they still have not. You know they don't have a top tier candidate really running against Scott Walker. They they have a giant field really right now in that race. I think that there's upwards of, of a dozen oh, Democrats really? yeah. running. But but you just have to you just have to assume if they're just able to get you know a a you know a, a respectable competent Democratic nominee there against Scott Walker, just the environment alone should be enough to make that a pretty competitive race. All right. So remind me, is this Scott Walker's? Would this be his third term? This would be his third term. Yes.
2: Uh, you, you don't have term limits no, in No Wisconsin? term limits. No term limits. But right in yeah. California, you know, a governor can serve two terms. Period. Then he can come back, right. like Jerry Brown did years
0: later, but in a row only two. Mm-hmm. So this would be Scott Walker's third, third term, and also, and this will be his fourth time running, uh, facing voters statewide uh, in a right, governor's right. race because you know he had 2010, 2012 and this, recall, and then uh, twenty fourteen. So, but you know
2: what's stunning about that is when he first got elected. Remember all the. I mean, and, and he started his anti-union stuff and all the protests there and all the, and it, it looked like he was going to be in, in and out, you know, in, yep. in a year or two years, as you say, the recall, right? Right. Uh, and he survived the recall. He's was reelected once. Now, he's could be reelected time. And the other time, at one time- And
0: ran for president somewhere. I was going in, to say, at there. one
2: time, he was considered a serious contender- mm-hmm not by me, but <laughs> Republicans saw him as a rising star in the Republican Party.
0: Absolutely. And in 2015 the, he was the front runner in Iowa for yeah, a while.
2: Yeah, right. 2015. So mm-hmm. until the the debates, right? He didn't do so well in the debates. Is that what I'm just trying to think what brought Scott Walker down.
0: Yeah, he struggled a little bit in the debates, and uh, there, there's a little bit of mismanagement with his campaign team in terms of finances and all of that. I was going to say, kinda ran out of steam pretty quickly.
1: That's what I remember most is is the finances were so screwed up with his campaign. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they were spent they were overspending too much early and, yeah.
0: and just didn't know how to rein
1: it in. But also, it just he didn't really have a clear message either, which didn't help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so, sometimes you know you, you don't want to you know rise to the top. Too quickly, because then all of a sudden, if you're in the pole position, you know, and you're still a year out from from the caucuses, you know, everyone's going to be aiming for you.
2: So he's just one of the uh, many candidates that the Trump
0: steamroller just That's right. just crushed. Well, and, and well and, and you remember when Scott Walker dropped out of the race, he didn't even he didn't mention Trump by name, but he was basically calling on other candidates to to sort of unite against Trump at, at the time. Of course, of course Walker's kind of come around to to the to the Trump side of things now, I remember that quaint time when yeah, we were it's, trying to unite against Trump. Yeah it's, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, timeline these past eight years or so for Scott Walker, right. that's for sure. Yeah.
2: There was a movement called Never Trump, wasn't there? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did that do? All right.
0: Uh, Adam, we caught up on a lot of
2: stuff. It's great to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks, uh, You can follow Adam, of course, Adam at The National Journal, uh, thenationaljournal.com. Jordan Fabian covers the White House for The Hill. He's coming up next on this The Bill Press Show. is The Bill Press Show. Robert Mueller has got his list ready, and the next person on the list is Donald Trump himself. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Closing in on the Oval Office, it is a Wednesday, Wednesday, January 24. So good to see you today. With all the news of the day, it is the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., We'll tell you what's going on. You tell us what it all means to you, whether you're following us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, watching on television, listening on the radio. Give us your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show, the big stories of the day. Yes, indeed. Learning yesterday that uh, Robert Mueller has now interviewed Attorney General Jeff Sessions and former FBI Director James Comey. And Donald Trump is one of the next ones on his list. Uh, Chuck Schumer saying, hey, my offer to uh, help you fund that wall, Mr. President, forget about it. You didn't make a deal last week. I am rescinding my offer to pay for the wall. And the president today heads off to join uh, his fellow billionaires at uh, the uh, big economic summit in Davos, Switzerland, Jordan Fabian covers the White House. So, your man has gone out of town, Jordan. you going with him?
3: Not going. I'm staying here, holding down the fort. You just, you're not,
2: yeah. you, you know, you, you're, uh, you don't have enough income to qualify for Davos. They that probably, must be it. They yeah. wouldn't <laughs> let you, they might not let you in, right? Unless you had your own corporate jet or Air Force One or Air Force yeah. One to get there, right? So, we got lots and lots to talk about. And again, we want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day, Send us your Comments on Twitter. At BP Show. Uh, We'll jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just
1: a couple of other stories making news. So we remember Chris Christie, when he was governor of New Jersey, he was one of the harshest critics of marijuana, right? Like, he wouldn't even allow an expansion of medical marijuana within his state. Well, yesterday, the new (coughs) governor... Did he get caught with pot? I, I wish... That was the story. But the new governor, Phil Murphy, as we talked to Normal about uh, a couple of weeks ago, he ran on a campaign of making marijuana more accessible to people who want it. And it starts with medical marijuana, which, again, I should point out, Chris Christie was very anti-even medical marijuana. Well, Governor Phil Murphy yesterday uh, ordered a 60-day review of New Jersey's medical marijuana program, said he is considering home delivery purchases beyond the two-ounce limit and expanding the number of licensed dispensaries all uh, to uh, improve patient access to their medicine, which just happens to be marijuana.
2: Good for him. And, you know, nice to get New Jersey into the uh, 20th century. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, By the way, we talked about the Oscars uh, last Uh hour. We have a poll up at BP Show Show, about your favorite uh, movie, which one you think should win best picture right now get out is actually leading the pack get huh. out is number one on our poll so if you disagree or have another option go uh chime in at bp show but you remember last year when they were announcing the best picture oh, yes. nominee oh yeah oh, there was yeah. a bit of a gap. <laughs> they announced la-, la la Pretty land as yes. the winner when in reality it was moonlight so PricewaterhouseCooper, they are still in charge of the envelopes this year even though they bungled this last year and the guy uh, who is in charge of it came out uh, a couple days ago and said they are completely changing the process of how the the, uh, presenters get the envelopes.
2: Mm -hmm. They hired the guy from Hawaii. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is not a test. This is thing. an actual test. Uh, he ch- he said he reached out to everybody involved in the incident. There were two people specifically who bungled mm-hmm. this. They are still with the company, but they have nothing to do with this process. They have nothing to do with the Oscar ballots. They've changed the process altogether, and there's going to be a couple of extra steps before they make they, it. And to they the have a backup guy. Yeah, who they have a backup
2: Who guy. they have to check with.
1: Yep. So you will you will not see it. uh, According to them, you will not see another gaffe like that this year. And Jimmy
3: Kimmel's back, right? So he gets uh, to repent.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's right, exactly.
2: (laughs) This is the Bill Press Show. Robert Mueller to Donald Trump, I want to talk to you. Yep, reportedly, White House and the Special Counsel's Office now talking about the terms by under which the President will sit down with the Special Counsel to talk about possible obstruction of justice. Uh, that little bombshell hit Washington yesterday. What do you say, folks? Great to see you. Welcome to the Bill Press Show on this Wednesday, January 24th. So good to see you. Uh, and we appreciate very much you're making us your choice of uh, your, the, the way to catch up with the news of the day uh, every morning, whether you're watching us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, checking out our podcast later in the day at billpressshow.com, joining us on Free Speech TV coast to coast or out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Lots to talk about, lots of breaking news today. Uh, And covering the White House for the great news, great newspaper, The Hill, uh, Jordan Fabian, who joins us in studio. Jordan, good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. Uh, Lots going on, but we have to start with what we're asking everybody today. Do you have a favorite for uh, the best picture of the year? You saw some of the Oscar nominations yesterday. Yeah, have um, you seen them all?
3: I haven't seen them all. I really like Get Out. I mean, that was—I was on my feet cheering at the end of that movie. It was so really. It was great. Yeah. I I never really seen a movie like it. It was it was really incredible. I mean I really like Dunkirk too. Yeah. Uh, but there's yeah. a few others on the list I haven't seen. So, uh, maybe how, how maybe about not, The Shape of Water? Have not no. seen The Shape of Water. No, neither have I. So no. we got to do that. But I, I haven't just, even heard of The Shape of Water. Then I saw it was nominated for 13 Oscars, <laughs> and I was like, what, doesn't what, that what is, the hell's going
2: does, on? No, no, no. Doesn't that drive you crazy? That's, that's happened to me too. A movie that I hadn't paid any attention to, and suddenly there it is. Right. Get Out, I haven't seen either, so those are two I got to catch up on. That's a good one. You, you got go to see out.
1: Get Out. Yes. I'll, I'll say this about Get Out: it it's one of the movies that um, completely threw me for a loop, and that rarely happens in movies anymore. Right? Like yeah. so few people take the risk, mm-hmm. and so few people do something genuinely different. And yes. I think Get Out absolutely did that.
3: Yeah. I, I, if you you sort of spend like half the movie thinking it's like a genre film. Right, and then you're like, "Oh, wow!" Yeah, like yeah, we're out like t- two thirds of the way through, halfway through, and it's really incredible. Can't recommend it highly enough. And by
1: the way, I okay. I watched it. We don't. Have to, but I I watched it the second time. It's even better on the second viewing because oh, there are little things right. you don't pick up the first time around.
2: Interesting. Okay, All right, we've got it. So the other question is: Let's see. It's uh, r- at right now, um, before eleven a.m. on the East Coast. So Wilbur Ross is still awake. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One of the gang who's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I heard uh, Monday at the briefing uh, there with you at the White House, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders say we have full confidence in uh, the Secretary of Commerce and the President. Uh, Wilbur's a good friend, and uh, Wilbur's here to stay. Right. What did that tell you? He's not long for this world. <laughs> Save me! Right. It's
3: exactly the thought I had. Right, and I mean, it's incredible the number of times that they have to be asked about senior staff or cabinet members and whether they still have confidence in him because the president's uh, <laughs> thoughts of these people changes with the wind and it's, it's really something to behold. I got to say though, that we, we've heard number of staff members, number of cabinet people get in trouble. Rex Tillerson comes to mind. I was going to ask you about Reports him next. that his uh, right. exit is imminent, but it turns out that's not really the case. So, uh, It's always hard to predict how serious these things are. Um, With Wilbur Ross, who knows? I mean, I I don't really see Trump forcing him out. I mean, the Commerce Department isn't really
2: such a high priority, but we'll see. You never know. And as long as he can get through half of the day, right, without (laughs) 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 – while he's still functioning. Uh, So uh, Rex Tillerson, Wilbur Ross, and then – I don't know where this report came from. I just saw it. I forget now what the source was. There was a report earlier in the week that Ivanka Trump is leading an effort to find a replacement for Chief of Staff John Kelly. And Trump is always saying, what a fantastic job Kelly is doing. Is there any anything to that?
3: Well, I, I was doing some reporting on that this week, and, and my sources tell, are telling me that that was overcooked. I mean, the... the the White House was not looking for an imminent replacement to Kelly. That being said, uh, the president was not happy with the comments he made on Fox News about immigration, claiming that he was responsible for the president evolving on the issue on things like the wall, right? So, his central campaign promise. The president isn't a fan of aides, of people around him who basically present themselves as, you know, keeping uh, the country in line and keeping the president from his worst impulses. and and things like that. So Kelly, uh, I'm told, has done himself a disservice by letting that image kind of float around him. And, and the president isn't happy with it. So um, I, I wouldn't call it a such a harmonious relationship. But it's also not reached the point that the president's going to force him out, that he's looking for a replacement. It's He's not as angry with John Kelly as he is with, say, Jeff Sessions who he's never forgiven for recusing himself on the Russia investigation. So uh, there's there's something to that report, but it's not
2: not what it is on the surface. But it has become gospel in this country. I think that the president is out of control, and John Kelly is the keeping order in the White House. I mean. It will it, it, be hard hard for anybody to turn that around. I mean, that's sort of become an established creed now, hasn't it? It
3: has. And, and again, that's and uh, that's a, a problem
2: it. for Kelly. And, yeah. and, and yeah. yeah, he
3: does kind of feed, feed it with some of the it. public comments that he makes. He doesn't say it outright, but just reading between the lines of the things he says when he says, um, you know, the president evolved with my help and my advice.
2: Um, he, he also said yeah. there'll be no concrete wall bordered, uh, uh, along the entire border, and Mexico's never going to pay for it. Right which undercuts everything Donald Trump has said about the wall. Right, right. So, well, I mean, the president has kind of been a little
3: back and forth on those specifics, but the, the uh, if the, the the bigger point is that if if that's going to be announced, it, it, the president believes it should be him making that announcement and not the chief of staff, um, not presenting himself in a way that he is the great manipulator. We saw this speaking of that with Steve Bannon yeah, when he was on the right. cover of Time magazine early in the administration. He was Painted it as the brain behind the White, the Trump White House, directing all of its moves, and you know it took him eight months, but he was eventually pushed out. And, that, and some people around the White House see that similar dynamic
2: creeping up with the chief of staff. Right, uh, and so uh, keeping with this little theme here of people who are in or out, um, the Washington Post front page story th- this morning uh, talks about uh, the deputy director of the. FBI, Andrew McCabe, who became acting director when Trump fired Comey and now he's deputy director under Christopher Wray, uh, that Trump was not happy with Christopher, with uh, Andrew McCabe, and in his first meeting with him in the Oval Office, actually asked him, who did you vote for for president? Um, we believe that reporting, and is that a, pro- a proper <laughs> a question for the president? I, yeah, I don't have any reason to doubt the Post report, and
3: it's it's a stunning detail, and it shows, again, uh, the president views the FBI and the Justice Department as instruments to protect him politically and legally rather than independent law enforcement agencies
2: as they've been seen under previous administrations. Yeah. Now, and for the record, and yeah. as a Post reports, McCabe said, I did not vote in the election. Correct. I, I, deci- I, I didn't think I should take sides, so—
3: yeah, and, and it didn't seem to help his no <laughs> reputation with the president. But uh, yeah, again, it's it, you, you look at his, what the president said to James Comey, asking him to ease off of Michael Flynn, asking him uh, you, you know for loyalty. Uh, we, you know, now we're seeing this with the NGB Cabe. One of the first questions the president asked him in the Oval Office: "Which are political leanings? Who did you vote for?" Uh, you know, he, again, he you know, he, we saw him with Jeff Sessions. He said. I, publicly, I, I want him to be my Roy Cohn, saying, talking about the mm-hmm. you know, infamous fixer who was uh, you know, Senator McCarthy's chief counsel in the 50s. So th- this is how he views the Justice comparison. Department. Oh, yeah, right. right. right.
2: I mean, and Roy Cohn ended up uh, doing some legal work for Donald Trump yes. in New York. Yeah, sure he right. was Donald Trump's mentor, essentially, in the
3: 80s when he was going through all these legal battles. So this is how the president you know, views the Justice Department, and he views it through the prism of you know his his business career, his legal career. He wants legal pit bulls in his corner, but that's not really the role the Justice Department has
2: traditionally played in the post Watergate era, right? Uh, and then reportedly, uh, how long is that, is that so at the presence be quest, uh, Jeff Sessions asks Christopher Ray to fire Andrew McCabe. Uh, and it was reported earlier in the week that Christopher Ray said uh no I won't and if you force me to do it uh, I'll resign instead of doing it the president was asked about that yesterday get your comment first but here's the president uh saying no 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 that's not just not true
0: no he didn't at all he didn't he did not even a little bit nope and he's gonna do a good job
2: not even a teeny leeny teeny weeny <laughs> little <laughs> bit Right. Did right. he to Only the to Trumpiest resign? of answers. <laughs> what do you know? Well, there, there was some
3: actual dispute whether uh, Ray actually threatened to resign. Uh, I, I've seen some varying reports on that, so I'm not sure that part is true. But what seems to be not in dispute is the, uh, the fact that Jeff Sessions was pressuring him to turn over the staff at, at the FBI and some of the senior officials. Uh, Andrew McCabe. We've already seen the general counsel turn over. There's a new person there. Yeah. Uh, the chief of staff who was there under James <laughs> Comey is leaving. Uh, he's, he's getting a replacement there. And you know, on one hand, this is what normally would happen when you have a new FBI director. He wants to bring in his own people, but th- it's against the backdrop of the Russia investigation. It's against the backdrop of this political pressure the president is exerting on the Justice Department and the FBI that's been not really seen since Richard Nixon, and uh, and it's alarming to a lot of people who mm-hmm. who, uh, who are in
2: Congress and who you know who care about but the Justice Department because the Justice Department has always been considered, even though it is the Justice the Attorney General appointed by the President, it is part of the administration. It's still always been viewed and I think operated as an independent law enforcement branch of the government.
3: Right. but I, I gotta say too, it, I think the. <laughs> we've gotten to a point where I think that's being a little overblown and and there's not this like monastic independence over to the justice department. All white houses obviously have lines of communication between the attorney general and the Mm -hmm. white house. And, you know, the, uh, the president's picking an attorney general ostensibly to carry out his policy agenda on things like, you know, crime and national security and whatnot. But we haven't really seen the direct, pressure to do X, Y, or Z specific actions, uh, especially to just to politically protect the president who's under investigation in in quite a long time.
2: All right. So how soon will we see Donald Trump sit down with Robert Mueller or will we see Donald Trump sit down with Robert Mueller? Again, everybody's reporting today, just about everybody, that New York Times and the Post certainly that uh, Mueller has requested that meeting. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a foregone conclusion
3: that the president is going to agree to that meeting. Uh, I did some reporting on this a, a week or two ago, and there are people on the president's legal team who want him to sit down for that interview, but there are other friends and allies of the president who say it's a terrible idea, and, and they're warning him not to do could it. Could he be forced to? He could. Uh, if he did, does not agree to talk, the special counsel could subpoena him to, to speak before a grand jury, uh, I imagine the White House would challenge that in court, and it would result in a very messy legal battle. Bill Clinton
2: uh, tried that, didn't he?
3: Well, so Bill Clinton was subpoenaed, but then he agreed to testify because yeah, right. he, because and, and it's it's a different situation. You know, there was Republican Congress, and the Congress made it clear that they were going to impeach Bill Clinton if he didn't testify. He impeach him anyway, <laughs> of course. But but, but Bill Clinton right. made the political yes, calculation yes, yes. that he should testify. At that point, the president is not facing that kind of political pressure right now. He could if Democrats take control of Congress in, in 2018, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, he's not facing that kind of pressure. So he might think, I'm going to fight this. And honestly, there's you know there, there's case law from the Clinton era, from the Nixon era, that you know would seem to be on the side of the special counsel. But it's really never been tested. The sitting president has never had to face a subpoena to testify before a grand jury in a criminal investigation. So it would put... Uh, the situation uncharted waters, and
2: it's really not clear how that would end up if that happens. And they're also, if he were to sit down, I would imagine they would try to limit the areas they could talk about or maybe the length of time. I mean, all kinds of. Yeah, that's all part of the negotiation where it happens. Where? Remember Bill Clinton did that live feed to the, the grand jury the,
3: from it, the White House in the map room, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he didn't show up in person. All that's going to be subject to the negotiation. Uh, you know, also whether the president does this in person or if it's in writing, can't imagine Robert Mueller would accept writing, but who knows? I mean, th- this is all very contentious negotiation. But when it happens, if it happens, uh, it would be
2: the political event of the Trump presidency. Oh, no, yes. ab- uh, absolutely. Right. Which uh, is
1: saying something, by the way. <laughs> like There have been a lot of political events of the Trump presidency that have absolutely. been just unprecedented.
2: Okay, but so add up. Mueller is talking to Steve Bannon. Mueller is talking to Jeff Sessions. Mueller talked to James Comey. Mueller wants to talk to Donald Trump. What does that tell you about the Mueller investigation? Because you and I, in the briefing room, day in, day out, we hear Sarah Huckabee Sanders say, it's winding down. It's almost over. It should never have started in the first place. It's all a, a hoax, uh, and it's it'll soon be over. Well, it tells
3: us a couple of things. First, it tells us that it's not soon going to be over. I think this is going to lat. This is clearly still going on. They're still interviewing witnesses. They still seem to be gathering evidence or, or asking people about evidence. So the Thai Cobb line that this is winding up in a few weeks doesn't seem to jibe with the events that we're seeing on the ground. But second that. You know he's Robert Mueller. You know is pursuing multiple angles here. The, the White House likes to insist there's no collusion, so this investigation is a hoax. Well, the, he's also looking into obstruction of justice, whether the president's handling of the firing Which of is much Michael more Flair. serious. Potentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's. It, again it's i think it's still unclear we don't know exactly what they're doing but he's clearly looking into the firing of Michael Flynn of James Comey at the FBI uh, of other things the president might have done to obstruct and also you know the, the, this is what the president's friends are worried about he gets into an interview room with Robert Mueller and it's a potential perjury trap i mean he, he could be caught lying about some of these things that he's done and that that is what eventually did in bill clinton so sure. Some very
2: treacherous legal waters here for the president. Uh, One thing I forgot to mention, and I read this this morning, maybe it was on Politico, I forget exactly where, that uh, reportedly Rick Gates, Paul Manafort's deputy, who um, faces uh, eight counts under indictment by uh, by Robert Mueller, uh, and I think pleaded not guilty originally, but reportedly he has now agreed to cooperate with the special counsel. So if George Papadopoulos is cooperating, you know who knows who else, right? And if Rick Gates is, that again potentially, that's more on the money laundering side, maybe. Right. Right. Before, so, not again, the, instruction the, the, of the wheel is still side, turning here, and that's that's
3: sort of what that points to, right? That there's still a lot of balls up in the air. The these
2: negotiations are still going on, and and it's going to take some time to wind this down. Right. Um, the president takes off for Davos today. Um we were asking this is he the first president actually to attend the Davos summit i believe so Bill Clinton went in
3: 2000 that was he did. the oh, okay. first and only other president who did it so wow. uh, it's right. it's pretty rare
2: it's Let's pretty rare it they're probably going with a different message I would imagine yes I would imagine <laughs> slightly All right and uh Trump is not alone in Davos I mean, um, among Americans. Yeah, he's rolling deep with his cabinet and,
3: and advisors. Uh, Secretary of State Tillerson's going. Uh, Wilbur Ross, who we were just talking about. Secretary Mnuchin, Gary Cohn, John Kelly. Uh, some of his top trade negotiators are going. So we're seeing a huge delegation from the U.S. show up at this thing. What,
2: which, So what's the goal? I mean, wh- Why?
3: Well, it, you know, the president wants to put his economic message out there. You know, we were told yesterday in the briefing room that he wants to declare America's open for business, and that you know tax reform and all these policies that he's put in place have really helped the American economy. And that you know this America First thing is you know not to scare anyone off. It Doesn't mean that we're alone, but you know we want a fair deal on trade and all this economic message that he's had and that he was elected on. Uh but I, part of it, you know, you gotta look at it and, you know, why is the president himself himself showing up? I'm sure he's eager to thumb his nose at some of these elites and some of these world leaders who predicted doom and gloom if he was elected. And he, you know, in his view, mm. the economy's doing well, the stock market's doing great. I deserve some credit. And you people predicted that we were going to be in the midst of a trade war and that the stock market was going to be tumbling and none of that happened. So I think he's looking to kind of you know, stick it to them in a way. Yeah.
2: You know, it's interesting because these are, among the Americans who are there, certainly those who benefited mostly from the tax cut bill, uh, these uh, in in terms of their personal finances and also in terms of their corporations and the taxes they pay and this permanent tax cut for the big corporations. So, yes, they benefit a lot, but still they're not necessarily big fans of Donald Trump, right? No, I mean, these are people who favor free trade, they
3: they are generally supporters of the you know liberal international order. They want you know dis- disputes to be resolved peacefully. Uh, they're not going to be calling <laughs> Kim Jong Un little Rocket Man, <laughs> you know yeah. like, stuff like that. I mean it's it's a different crowd. It's interesting because you, you have this president who was elected on this you know populist wave uh, and is you know framed himself as a man of the people, but really Donald Trump has always I think craved the approval of elites. And I can't help but see that's one of the reasons that he's
2: going to Davos uh, tonight. Uh, So, again, uh, we have been consumed the last few days with news of the coverage of the uh, shutdown that almost happened but didn't quite happen and ended almost before it began. Uh, And that leaves the question, which a lot of people are still asking, well, we went through all of this and we still don't know where Donald Trump stands and what he really would sign And whether he really supports the dreamers or not Uh, might have been your question yesterday. Somebody trying to get an answer out of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, This is as close as we we could get. We've got uh, from the from the briefing uh, yesterday. Here she is.
0: Could this White House envision a scenario oh, where these dreamers yeah. are deported? Would that be something the president is okay with? Uh, look, I think the president ha- has stated what he would like to see happen. And at this point, mm-hmm. uh, the president mm-hmm. is willing to sign something uh, to find a permanent solution for DACA.
2: Yes. Uh, at the same time, uh, last night at 11.08 p.m., uh, President Trump tweeted, in the interest of bipartisanship and compromise, quote, Crying, Chuck Schumer fully understands, especially after his humiliating defeat. Uh, I lost it here on the phone, but he said that there will be no wall. If there's no wall, there's no DACA. Right. So it sounds like he's dug in his heels on 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 Dreamers. The yeah, whole, I mean, the he's... whole wall or no Dreamers.
3: Is that how you it? Uh, I'm not sure whole wall, but he, he wants something. He definitely wants a, some, a significant investment. Uh, I think that's clear. Look, I, I think the president's feeling emboldened after the shutdown because, you know, Chuck Schumer basically folded up his tent and took and went
2: home. He they, won Schumer lost.
3: Yeah. And so that's what he feels. So now that he, you know, he won round one, he, he feels like he is asking for more now. So, uh, and at the same time, it seems like the Democrats are digging in their heels and they say they don't want to fund the wall. You know, Schumer took that off the table yesterday or so he says. So that's we have two sides that are dug in on their in their positions. We're not seeing a whole lot of movement toward the middle. We also saw Sarah yesterday denounce this uh, Durban Graham bipartisan oh, yeah. compromise. It said it was, was non starter DOA. Exactly. So where's the, where's the agreement? Uh, I'm not seeing it right now. So it's very possible in 16 days, or 15 days, whatever it is, till the next deadline, we can find ourselves in a similar situation. All right. So
2: what did Trump do
3: all weekend? Look, he was working the phones with, with some of the leaders in Congress, but mostly he was on the sidelines. So this was a deal that was worked out by Rep- Republican and Democratic leaders in Congress. and And a lot of people said because the president wasn't directly involved and not Tweeting things like you just read that this is this is why we got a spending deal because able to be productive and get things done and but it was very un Trump like for him to be out of the spotlight. It was and you know, it was at the urging of his staff, John Kelly, Mitch McConnell said, you know, we think we have the leverage here, we think Schumer and the Democrats will, will fold, so just wait and, and let that let them come to you, let them fold. And, and they turned out to be right. And the, yeah, the president it goes against his instincts. He wants to be the deal maker. He wants to be the negotiator. You know, it's, he wants to be out there pounding his chest, but uh, he he did, he went with the non traditional approach for him, and it ended up working out for him.
2: It, it did end up working out. I mean, uh, it was almost the less you saw of him, the more effective he was. And I think that uh, some people got to him and said, "Just disappear, Go out, you know, stay out of sight," which must have been hard for him. I'm sure it was. Um, uh, this is, I know, a little bit a little catty here, but I read this morning in the Washington Post. That Monday was the 13th wedding anniversary of Donald Trump and Melania. Why didn't we hear anything about that? It's a
3: good question. Did they go I, out to dinner? Not, no. I mean, they they, they called a lid at the White House they were in. You know, I I don't know if they had anything at the at the residence, but
2: look, I mean. I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong. I, that's, yeah, that's I true. don't know. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, with, with with Barack sure and, you aren't. with Barack Obama and Michelle, I mean, it was all it was flowers, it was tweets, it was out to dinner on the yeah. town, and and everybody knew about it, right? I mean, yeah. Well, I think some first so couple. Are you couple- saying
1: that Barack Obama and Donald Trump lived their lives somewhat differently? <laughs> uh.
2: <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I'm just going to add that up with the fact that Melania put out her tweet about the first year in office. And how wonderful it's been for me. And she has a picture of herself with a military escort. No picture of herself with Donald Trump.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, some first couples I think are closer than others, and this one doesn't seem to be on the uh, the close
2: side. So. Anniversary
1: celebrations weren't part of the contract for their marriage, <laughs>
2: apparently. <laughs> Man. Jordan, you've got so many aspects of this to cover here. We we covered a few of them at any rate today. Just a bit, yeah. Hey, so good to see you. You too. Thank you. All right, and uh, enjoy the time while while Trump's out of town. Enjoy the time at the White House. Uh, Jordan Fabian, The Hill. Don't forget, thehill.com, and when we come back, Eugene Scott, political reporter for The Great Washington Post. Uh, Hey, the movie, nominator for Best Picture, right? Good day for them. Uh, Will join us. Take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: This is The Bill Press Show.
2: Hey, what do you say on this Wednesday, January 24? Uh, So good to have you with us today. The Bill Press Show. Booming out to you coast to coast from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, and we're brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers. Those good men and women of the Iron Workers Union, the salt of the earth, they are building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. You can find out more about their great work under President uh, Eric Dean at their website, www.ironworkers.org. So much to talk about, and uh, we are pleased to welcome here to help us through this uh, last part of the show, Eugene Scott's political reporter for the great Washington Post. Eugene, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, we want to know from everybody today, With the Os- first of all, with the Oscar nominations coming out uh, yesterday, uh, nine best pictures, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Uh, You've seen them all, of course.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think even if I had, which I have not, I think I'm contractually obligated to say The Post. Yeah, right, oh, that's, a company, yeah. that's a company man right there. Uh, <laughs> but
2: I, I, a, I was but, wondering if you would. But,
4: but It's an, ama- it an amazing movie. And um, quite quite frankly, I mean, we're in a time where um, people are really interested in, in journalism and what journalism can do.
2: It's an amazingly relevant, it's it's, it's so relevant today, right? Absolutely. You can't help but sit there thinking, this wasn't Richard Nixon versus the Post, this is Donald Trump versus the Post, or Donald Trump versus the New York Times, or Donald Trump versus uh, CNN. And uh, it took a lot of guts on the Mm -hmm. part of Ben Bradley, and Ben uh, Ben Bagdegan, and uh, and Daniel Ellsberg, Catherine Graham.
4: No, I mean I'm I'm very emotionally invested in the movie. I, I was born and raised in DC and like got a scholarship from the Washington Post in high school and so oh, like would yeah. walk around the newsroom and see Don Graham and so um yeah I'm I'm very, very aware of what good journalism can did do. Did you know Bradley? I did not know him. I I knew I knew Don. Yeah and uh it's, it's been a great, a great mentor, and um. But I mean, Dan I was this yeah, Catherine the son. Graham's son, and he, yes. he there was a cameo in the movie. But right. I had a I have these great like moments where I'm uh, still a fanboy of these peers of mine. I was in uh, MSNBC last week and ran into Eugene Robinson who has been in the post longer than I've been alive. Um, and uh, I get a lot of his, you know, hate mail by accident and his good mail and it's it's a pleasure to be mistaken for the wrong Eugene.
2: Oh no, he is <laughs> yeah. uh you no, he's a he, he's, he's a amazing. hero. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm a big huge fan. But of in this.
4: addition to the post, I do obviously, maybe not obviously, I think Get oh. Out is incredibly culturally relevant right now as well yeah. as we, you know, I write about identity politics and we talk a lot about what race and gender um, have become in this current cultural climate um, in terms of uh, harassment and racism and discrimination and just trying to figure out what it means uh, to be in America as uh, a a person who is different or who um, is in a majority culture and just trying to just uh, bump heads with that. And I think Get Out talked about that a bit. It hasn't gotten the attention that it probably should have, especially at the Golden Globes. but. Because, I, just, I have to say really quickly,
1: because uh, we have a poll up on our uh, Twitter okay, feed, at yeah. BP Show, at BP Show, uh, mm-hmm. what your favorite movie was of the year. And right now, uh, overwhelmingly, Get Out is winning the poll. Yeah. I was just
2: going to say, on the show this morning, yeah. Get Out's been getting a, a, oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of shout-outs. And yeah, so, uh, but I
4: had to say the post. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. That <laughs>
2: that, so. Well, so uh, in in terms of race and racism, I mean, Donald Trump hasn't helped things yeah. At all. Right. I mean, he's yeah. uh, whether we get into calling him a racist or not, forget that. But he certainly has fanned the flames of racism. Yeah. W- in several uh, on several points. Most recently with his right. S-hole or S-house right. comments before that Charlottesville mm-hmm. and on many occasions. Oh, yeah. Um. And so where does that leave us or where does that take us or what does that do to mm-hmm. um, what p- most people would say was. Decades of slow, perhaps, but progress.
4: Right. I think it's left most Americans discouraged. I wrote about a, I believe it was a Pew poll, uh, 80% of Americans say that 2017 was a bad year for race relations. And I think that's startling considering that we just came out of the presidency of the first black president. And it wasn't that people thought that uh, Obama's administration was, you know, incredibly iconic and uh, over, over. Not, well, they did think it was iconic, actually, but they didn't but. think it was overwhelmingly positive. They just thought it left them hopeful in a way that this Trump presidency has not. And I think it was about 60% of the people polled who, who point to Donald Trump as one of the reasons why 2017 was so rough for race relations. And so whether or not um, he and his team think that's the case, I think what could be valuable is reflecting on the words he uh, shared in his first inauguration speech where he promised to be a unifier um and bring about uh some you know cohesion uh in this country that saw a very divisive twenty sixteen election and uh see if twenty eighteen can be more unifying than twenty seventeen was
2: even on the level of uh appointments to federal positions
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh in the white house mm-hmm. i mean I can think of Ben Carson or right. any other African American. The Surgeon
4: General's African American, but. Oh, that's um, a
2: big job. I mean, I don't mean to put it down, but I mean, it's sure. hardly. Uh, no, th- absolutely. The President's inner circle.
4: No, absolutely, which is why when Omarosa left, who perhaps was not as. Uh, <laughs> effective as yeah. uh, she may have said or people thought very
2: diplomatically
4: put <laughs> I, I try my best when the <laughs> when, when the Trump White House points to the administration to your point being in the administration is not the same as being at the table in the White House and there and there are no no black senior officials at the uh, table in the White House and I think that is uh, noticeable considering how diverse the Obama White House was, uh,
2: and you know they brag about these federal judgeships. and right. you know, he's gotten twelve of them. I, to my knowledge, I don't. I've been told, and I haven't double checked. There are no African Americans. When I them.
4: when I saw it, I had not, and I can obviously revisit as well. But you know, I think, you know, Trump makes decisions based on so what diversity rallies, is
2: not a word at the White House.
4: I don't think it's a word with the base that they prioritize, uh, and I think Trump plays to the base. Um, I think when people got on the Trump train, it wasn't because he had a high view of diversity. In fact, they got on the Trump train because some of them, not everyone, but because he called Mexican immigrants rapists and murderers the day he announced. And so one could argue that their vision of um, the role diversity should play in America um, was very different from Obama's, and that's why um, they picked him, and I think he's honoring that.
2: Well, there's no doubt that a lot of the the, the roots of, of the the uh Anti-Obama movement, right, mm-hmm. uh, and leading into Donald Trump's base, there, there, there was a lot of racism in, 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 in the roots there against Obama just because. And, and this is Donald Trump who led the birther movement for right.
4: five years. Right. And so I f- he, he he comes out of that. Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting is when, when. to it. When, when we say things like that, there are uh, Trump surrogates who get offended and say that's not true. But if you actually talk to Trump voters, I mean, there's polling that say where Trump voters who are less politically correct, like the man they elected, will admit that they did not want to move into an America um, that they saw as more uh, diverse, they felt um they're threatened. They're, They're threatened. They're very by threatened. We, I mean, we, we, there, there's a significant percentage of uh, white people who voted for Trump who feel like white people are discriminated against as much as black and brown people. Um, and so, yeah, they, they didn't hide their uh, anxiety. Uh, and there's no doubt that that is part of the thing that's fueling
2: the opposition to the Dreamers. Um, yeah. You know, I was on uh, the uh, revised... Uh, or whatever, whatever. Um, reformed McLaughlin group, uh, mm-hmm. the return of the McLaughlin group okay. a couple of weeks ago, uh, and Pat Buchanan was making the point. You mm-hmm. know, this this dreamers and this immigration thing. It's all about mm-hmm. America being taken over, right. uh, and white people losing out mm-hmm. to black and brown people. Yeah. Uh, now, so who who uh, who's the winner coming out of our uh, sh- shutdown showdown? Uh, if you will. I mean, the dreamers are the big losers. Right. right?
4: Absolutely. But um, Trump stuck to his no-wall agreement. And I mean, even though Schumer has gone back and said he no no longer agrees to the original deal he put on the table, when he suggested supporting a wall, uh, the base, the Democratic base, was pissed because uh, they saw their leaders uh, going back on one of the issues that that they said mattered most to them. And so I think Trump really won and Trump's base really won.
2: Uh, where does this leave the the dreamers and the Latino activists? I know you've been you've written about that. I have. I mean, they must feel uh, double crossed again.
4: They do. And I mean, I don't know if you saw Representative uh, Gutierrez talk about how much he feels that the Democratic Party disrespected Latinos and DREAMers in DACA um, at, at the base level. And, I mean, we've also seen lawmakers from the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Asian American Caucus come out as well, because DREAMers aren't just Latino. And that is why uh, the president perhaps made so such offensive comments, allegedly, about black immigrants, because we do have DREAMers coming from Asian countries and DREAMers coming from uh, African and Caribbean countries as well. And their future right now is not really clear
2: right i mean so they've been giving uh, a short extension until february 8 right uh and then less than a month later comes march 5 which yeah. is the drop dead uh deadline yeah uh
4: do you have any confidence that 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 this will be resolved by March 5? I don't. How, how long did it take them to find a solution to Obamacare? And have they found a solution to Obamacare? How long did it take them to find a solution to the tax bill, um, despite saying on day one these were things they would tackle? Um, if they are able to make uh, some type of bipartisan agreement between now and February 8th, I mean, that'll be miraculous.
2: Yeah, unheard of.
4: Yeah, I mean, it because we're coming a from such different ideological views, even within the parties, right? I mean, we got to get the Republicans on the same page and the Dems on the same page before they all get on the same page. So it's not looking likely.
2: No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, right, these four, four uh, members uh, in the House, it's a Steny Hoyer, we've talked about this, Steny Hoyer and Kevin McCarthy in the Senate. It's Dick Durbin and John Cornyn. They're supposed to come up with a bill hmm. in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, That they can agree on,
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: that they can get enough Senate Democrats and Republicans to agree on, and then tougher challenge to get the House. Right. to agree on. Right. Look at look at their districts. And then and they, let's say get Donald Trump to sign it. Sure. Who doesn't know what the hell he wants.
4: Well, I mean, that's what McConnell and leaders said. They are very uncertain about what the president wanted clearly. And I mean, the White House has obviously pushed back on that saying that the president has been incredibly clear, which is, you know, <laughs> their, their job. Um, but I think one of the things that people need to do if they're trying to understand why lawmakers are having such a difficult time um, getting on the same page with other lawmakers is look at the democracy. Demographics that they represent and the communities that they represent. People come from very different parts of the country, and voters want very different things.
2: One other uh, this is a story that uh, caught my attention that you've been writing there on the Post. We saw this week um, two well, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, forty five. Forty five years. years. Uh, there was a huge march in Washington. There always is. Mm-hmm. Of the right to life, so-called right to lifers, and the president spoke sure. to them from the Rose Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, it's always been a videotape. Right. Presence uh, Trump's the first one to did it. Actually, I think a live yeah. address to them. Um, uh, at the same time, there were all these women's marches over Saturday yeah. and Sunday, which were not directly on the issue of Roe v. Wade, but certainly sure. they were affirming women's rights, including right. the right to control their own body. Sure. So this is an issue like racism, I guess that. Is still with us, hasn't gone away, yeah. and it's still uh, what in the trade we call a hot button issue.
4: Oh yeah, I mean it? it's it's fascinating. I mean this is something that the courts decided 45 years ago um, that people are still debating. I, I don't think we can name another issue that the court decided 45 years ago that people are still uh, fighting to dismantle. Um, and not I f-
2: to this extent, certainly. Not maybe, to this extent, uh, fair. maybe affirmative action, like
4: sure, yes, yeah, it's, it's, sure. still,
2: it's still an issue on some campuses. Right. But you're right. Forty-five years ago, the court said this is the law of the land. Right. And there's still a lot of people, including a lot of people who were not born then... Sure. ...for whom this is the number one issue.
4: Yeah. And I mean, including people... Um, who are outside of some of the demographics you would think. Obviously, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, Democrats and, and uh, millennials do support reproductive rights. Um, but there's, there's larger percentages of people in that group that are anti-abortion, that more anti-abortion than people would think. And I think it's in part um, what we're really seeing is um, people just having very nuanced conversations about abortion and it not being as black and white saying, I'm completely for it or I'm completely um, against it. People are living in the gray a little more, and I wonder if that is because people are having more conversations <laughs> uh, with people who've either had abortions or been in a situation where they felt like they needed um, an abortion and just realized that it's a really difficult decision, um, and what may be best for them as individuals uh, may not necessarily be best for everyone in the country. Uh,
2: it could be. I mean, and, and that's kind of what happened—it That is what happened— with the issue of marriage equality and right. same-sex marriage, where a lot of people realized, oh, you know, my brother or right. my uncle or uh, my friend's friend or something, right. they kind of all know who's in a gay relationship, and, yeah. and and they love each other and they've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't there? There are more and more people, I think, through their personal relationships, evolved on that issue. Yeah, and I think you're right about even the abortion uh, issue. Oh yeah, I mean, people come to, to their daughter if their daughter were sure. raped
4: sure i I think when i've spoken with voters and this isn't always the case but if you have a relationship with someone attached to an issue that shapes how you view the issue people who actually know undocumented immigrants people who actually know gay people, people who actually know women who felt like an abortion was an option, seem seem to talk about it at the very least with a level of compassion that people who just view it as like a political idea don't. They may not always change their mind on the issue, but they recognize that there's some nuance and that policy affects people. And so it's not just this like idea that you can debate on Twitter when you know that it affects people.
2: Okay. Now, among those for whom... Um, abortion is the uh, and has been forever the number one issue. Uh, are today's evangelicals right? Um, one of the leaders of the evangelical movement, uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Franklin or Pastor Franklin Graham Jr. No, he's Franklin he's Graham. Like he's it. not Jr. original right, because his father was Billy Graham Jr. Yes. Right. He's the original Franklin. Uh, appeared with uh, our good friend Don Lemon last night on CNN. Mm-hmm. And he was asked, so why are you so buddy-buddy and so supportive of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and yet you were so critical of Bill Clinton? Here's uh, Franklin Graham.
1: The difference is, is, is what uh, happened with Bill Clinton. He did this while he was in office. And, and
0: that's the difference. And what Kennedy did, uh, the affairs...